and welcome along to Property Development Live. My name is Paul Merrick and with me today we have Brian Wright. Brian is an accountant for two of the developers on Property Development Live and today we're going to speak to him a little bit about himself and his company and also we're going to speak to him about his view of how you should be handling your accounts if you intend to be a developer. Hello Brian. Good morning Paul. So tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me a little bit about your company. Absolutely, thank you. We are accountants, a, a team of accountants. The business was established in November 2003 with a very modest start uh, and has developed since then to the current date. We've been specialists in accounts and tax and business development issues right from the very start really, but more prominently since probably around about 2010 with the last financial crisis when we realised that the most important advice for our clients was uh, sensible decision-making and a third party to bounce ideas off and strategy more so than tax and accounts advice. Tax and accounts is a necessary issue to deal with. It is an expense to the business. And while it's important to minimise that, we've learned over the years that actually the biggest benefit is in helping business owners and directors and partners of companies make good decisions. I've always had a view about accountants. I think there's two types of accountants. One type of accountant I um, call in a derogatory fashion bean counters. So what they do is at the end of the year, they count the amount of beans that have gone in and they count the amount of beans that have gone out and they tell you the amount of beans that you owe the tax man. And I've never been very fond of that type of accountant, to be honest with you. I'm sure they have their place, but it's not my type of accountant. My type of accountant should work with you and your business. Absolutely agreed. I met a cynical old accountant at one of the accountancy meetings who said, oh, clients just want to know three things. What's my profit? What's my tax? And what's your fees? Uh, that's certainly not what FBD Consultancy is about. We're all about ongoing. I hate using the word proactive because everybody in the whole world is proactive if you read their website. But we, we want to work with the clients throughout the year in order to help them grow their business and to understand the issues um, the amount of people who have made tax decisions that I've come across in my 25 years in property, they've made tax decisions at the wrong time of the year. They've chose to sell a property at the wrong time of the year or they've, they've chose to buy a bit of equipment at the wrong time of the year. And making that decision at a different time of the year, not necessarily not making the decision, but making the decision at a different time in the year could make a huge difference to their tax bill and to the profit in their company. Timing is everything. Tax tax rules and tax years are very strict. And so you have to get it into the right tax year at the right time in order to be able to get the various reliefs and benefits that, that there are to be had. So let's talk about tax issues and the benefits of a good accountant around development because Property Development Live is all about and are completely focused on development. What would you say some of the most important issues are that we should cover today on this podcast in relation to tax and accountancy for a developer or a would-be developer? Well, first of all, uh, there's there's a big issue in and around the whole construction industry scheme, which is a particular uh, tax scheme for those in property development and in construction. There are also huge issues around VAT for commercial developments both for new developments and for conversions. So let's start at the beginning then. The top of your list was CIS, the scheme for a developer or a construction company that the government imposes. So could you give me a brief overview 
of what CIS is? CIS was created um, so that the government received tax in advance. The idea is to get money in early uh, from developers and those involved in the construction industry uh, rather than waiting to the, the end of the period when they may or may not get the tax or indeed there has been a history within the construction industry of not everybody declaring everything and as a consequence the government feels that not all tax is properly paid. So it's a scheme that includes anything to do with construction and sadly also involves property developers. They're caught within the legislation in terms of that definition. Um, and it's quite confusing because some of what you think might or should be included in that is not. For example, professional fees are never included within the construction industry scheme, such as quantity surveyors, accountants, lawyers. And interestingly, materials, the provision of materials is excluded. However, as soon as you put a spade in the ground or you start to connect up electrics, or indeed if you're cleaning a property that is in the, already in the construction industry scheme, the cleaner would have to register for CIS too. Not many people know that. So it's quite wide ranging and it's all about making sure that the tax is cut in advance. One of the things I should say is it absolutely does not have an impact on profitability. It only has an impact in cash. And although I use the word only, that I know it's huge. When you've got a large property development going on, the last thing you want to be doing is handing some of your cash in advance to the government. But it is a cash difference. It's not a profitability difference. What I'll also say is that it, the scheme differs according to whether you're operating in your own name or as a partnership and as to whether it's through a limited company. So within a a uh, sole trader or partnership, the idea behind it is that you, you pay the tax up front or you suffer the tax up front and the, the contractor or even the, the subcontractor who's in the middle or if it's the main contractor who withholds money from you, you will have to wait until you produce your tax return at whatever point that is perhaps in the following year before you're in a position to finalise your tax position and, and normally then reclaim the tax. Within a limited company structure, the thinking and the structure is different. So the idea is if it's, it almost forms part of the payroll piece, if you like. So where you suffer from a contractor and you are a subcontractor or a middle contractor, you can offset what you suffer from what you withhold from your subcontractors. And you can also offset it against any PAYE and NIC liabilities. The idea is for limited companies that they can pretty much offset within the year through the payroll system. However, the recovery in the event that more tax has been suffered in advance than should have been is a little bit more complicated in that you have to write to HMRC after you've finished the accounts for the limited company and ask them if they would be kind enough to pay you the money back. So the systems are quite different, and it's important you understand, depending on your, your makeup, as to how you go about sorting that out. So let's deal with some very simplicities in that. So you are a developer or a main contractor, and you decide to employ a subcontractor. If that subcontractor is CIS registered, what level of tax do you pay to HMLC? The contractor would withhold 
from the subcontractor a percentage of the labour element. There are a couple of rules. One set of rules is called normal uh, CIS rules in which the contractor or main contractor would withhold 20%. However, if you've been operating for a period of time, there are three tests which you would need to, to pass uh, in which you could be treated as a gross contractor. If you have qualified as a gross contractor, then the main contractor or the property developer would not have to deduct tax in advance. If someone is not registered for CIS and you take them on as a subcontractor, then what level of payment do you have to withhold to give to HMRC? Interesting. I mean, this is this has moved over the last few years. Um, but the first and foremost is you would have to withhold 30%, 30%, which is huge. But actually, the way things have moved forward is, in essence, you're not allowed to bring on a subcontractor who's not registered. The first thing you must do under the, the tax laws now is go onto HMRC website and check that they are legitimate subcontractors. So, in fact, the 30% probably today is probably a red herring now. You have to, because if you don't do that, then you're you're in breach and probably subject to penalties. So I wouldn't recommend it. And do you see most of the people who are doing development as main contractors? That's an interesting one because there is an actual article on HMRC's website that talks about property developers versus property investors. And as you probably know already, Paul, many property investors buy properties and do up properties and then rent them. Some move them on, some sell them. Now, to the extent to which the balance of activities is that of a property investor, you don't have to get involved in CIS. However, to the extent to which the balance, even for a short period of time, moves from being a property investor to be a property developer, i.e. the construction work becomes huge or much more significant than you would expect of a property investor, then at that point, a good accountant would be talking to you about getting registered for CIS. So in your view, if someone was taking on a major conversion or a new build, would you see them as a main contractor? Absolutely. And I would strongly encourage them to get registered. I always take the view you're better to protect yourself than to get it wrong. And it's not an issue about I've got it wrong, so I will pay what I'm due. The issue becomes twofold. One, you get onto HMRC's radar, which is never a good thing. And secondly, you may be subject to penalties. And I don't want, it's hard enough in business to make a decent profit these days. And I wouldn't like to think that some of that profit's eroded because HMRC steps in with its tackety boots and takes penalties off. And would you say that there's some ways around that? If some a, a particular individual doesn't want to be CIS registered, would you say that it's possible for them to have a separate company, which they consider as a development company, to have that company CIS registered? And what they do is then they put the property into that company on some kind of option. There are, there are I think there are a number of ways, potentially a number of ways around that. And that is that you... You as the individual or you as the company is not actually contracting anyone to do anything. If on the other hand, so so in other words, if you are lending money, if you are 
as you see, putting an option in. If you are sharing in the profits of the construction company, then these to me would be ways around getting involved in CIS. I think the key to it is that the individual who's, who has a main contractor doesn't own the property in some way, shape or form. You put the property into whoever's doing the construction work, whether they be the main contractor or subcontractor, and you share in the benefits of the results rather than owning the results. I'll also say to you, if you're going to live in the property, in other words, you're going to be the end user, that's also another route whereby you would not have to get involved in CIS. But the general message we'd like to put out to people is, because what we focus on here at Property Development Live is to do your own development, to be to be your own main contractor. Now, whether you choose to do that as an individual, so if, if I, as Paul Merrick, chose to do my own development, I would need to be CIS registered. Or whether you choose to do it in the form of a company, that company would be a CIS registered. But someone in that chain must be CIS registered. And do that as quickly as you can. Try not to do it retrospectively. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Do it up front. You speak to your accountant in advance, get yourself registered and deal with it uh, head on. I think that solves so many problems. And it's fair to say, you know, there's a lot of incredibly good people who are innocent or naive about the tax rules because before getting involved in this kind of business, I've never actually had to deal with HMRC. And, and so they think, oh, it will be okay. And we've got a number of clients who thought it would be okay until it wasn't okay. And then they've come to us with their, their tail between the legs. And what I would say as a 25 years experienced developer is if you're the type of person who today has been paid PAYE and has never been involved in anything like a development before or any kind of company, because, you know, the message that we put out on Property Development Live is that development is a business. It's not an investment. It's a business. If you're going to develop property, that's a business. Find an accountant, build a relationship with that accountant, clearly get to understand the tax rules yourself as well as an accountant helping you because between the two of you, what you understand and what your accountant understands, you will come up with a good tax strategy. But don't do that at the end of the project. Do it at the very beginning. You've touched on an absolutely brilliant point, Paul, and that is that if you don't know the basic rules, if you don't have a handle on the rules, then how do you know the accountant you're working with knows what they're doing? I think it's really important. Now, I, I don't need to type for work, and I'm not fussed one way or another who comes to us or doesn't come to us, but I am gobsmacked constantly by the number of people who do eventually come to us from other organisations, and we simply don't understand how things could have gone so far wrong. This sounds very cynical. Um, and it's a, it's a mantra I've been claiming for a lot of years. And, and there will be lots of people listening to this podcast who don't agree with me. Their view is you build this power team and they do it all for you. I call them coffee drinking developers. You know, they expect to sit at home and somebody else will do all the work. We've made substantial amounts of money out of development and it's turned my life around. But it did it through hard work and dedication and not trusting, with no disrespect intended, but not trusting any one professional, but to get to know my own job. So with all due respect, and you're, you're, you're an accountant I have a lot of time for, and who's very qualified and very experienced, but no matter what you said to me, I would go and check it for myself. Brilliant, and I would recommend every single person that you deal with, work with, or who listen to this podcast does exactly the same thing. 
And what that does is it tells you two things. It tells you if your accountant's right in terms of being right or wrong, but it also tells you if your accountant's right for you. And, you know, quite often when an accountant's speaking to somebody, and particularly if it's a public talk, it's very easy in the, with everybody's eyes on you to say what you think's right. And then in the, the, the dark hours of the, the evening or when you're back in the office, you think, hang on a sec, did I say that? Actually, I don't think that's right. Again, a good professional, whether it's accountancy or law or quantity surveyor, will go back and they'll check it. And if they're wrong, you'll get a phone call. And they'll say, by the way, just to let you know, I didn't get that quite right. I've done my research now, and this is what I think the correct set of rules is. So that's the kind of relationship you want. with You want an accountant who's open and honest enough to be able to tell you when they're wrong or when they're, they've, they've made mistakes. I think that's just good business practice. So let's move on to the the subject that scares a lot of people, frankly, which is VAT. And just a point or a tip, if you like, to would-be new developers out there. In our business, we have bought from the MOD, we've bought from the NHS, we've bought from Scottish Water, we've bought from Thames Water, we've bought from Glasgow City Council, we've bought from the Scottish Executive, and the list goes on. And most of these people wouldn't have taken our company seriously if it wasn't VAT registered. But as a property developer, I want to be taken seriously by, you know, we've bought a lot of properties from administrators, for example, directly, not through estate agents. Most of those companies would have not have taken us seriously if we weren't that registered. Because what we were saying to them is, we're this big development company who doesn't turn over just under £85,000 a year. And that doesn't seem credible. In this environment, Paul, I think that's brilliant advice. I mean, the reality is, if you're going to do property development, what are the chances of you being below £85,000 anyway. Property development is huge projects and it's dealing with big players, as you say. And these big players, one, they actually wouldn't care from a tax point of view whether you're registered or not, but they absolutely do know, do want to know, have you the capacity to complete the exercise? And it's this capacity issue that particularly concerns the bigger players, like the government, like the MOD. So if you go to them as a small fish, they're probably not going to touch you. They're going to go to somebody they think has capacity. And one indicator uh, is that they, they know that you're obviously beyond a certain size because you are VAT registered and necessarily VAT registered. So I'd wholly agree with that, Paul. Good advice. So let's go through someone's doing a conversion or a development. Two different VAT levels that affect those two things. So let's take, for example, first a major conversion. Before I say this, the the rules for VAT, whilst on the face of it, are relatively simple. When you dig into the VAT rules, they are hugely complex and they can move backward and forward throughout your research, believe it or not. So what I say just now is the general principles and for goodness sake, check the details out for yourself. So the general principles are that anything that provides service or development should be uh, taxed at 20% for VAT. However, when it comes to properties, there are a bunch of options. And these options are in place because the ultimate purchasers of these properties don't want to have to pay VAT, or if they do, they want to be paying less. Anything otherwise would reduce the the uptake of property purchase in the UK. And so they're deliberate measures to encourage property investment. So with conversions, there's a reduced rate of VAT to 5%. 
And that 5% relates to everything to do with the property development or the property conversion. There are a bunch of costs in and around that. Again, things like professional fees, that will always be 20%. But when you're doing conversions, there's a huge uh, cohort of the costs that will be taxable at 5% to you, the purchaser, but recoverable by the contractor at 20%. So there's a benefit to you that you don't have to pay the full amount, and there's no disbenefit to the contractor who gets to recover the full 20% on top. And again, you would suggest that somebody doing a major conversion sits down with an accountant before they lay the first brick, before they knock down the first wall, before they attempt to physically make a start, sit down with their accountant and establish which is 5% and which is 20%. Absolutely. And for the record, you would also want probably to work with an architect or a surveyor because in order to get your reduced rates, you have to prove that you have planning permission to do what you're intending to do. And one of the things that I, I strive to get across very importantly is always try and buy a site with, with existing planning consent because for a newbie developer, someone who's attempting this for the first time, the risk of buying without planning consent is very, very People have no idea what planning consent can actually cost and they have no idea how little value a property can have if it hasn't achieved planning consent, ergo if it's actually failed. So if you went out today and bought a property for £100,000 that might have potential for planning consent, but then you had a failed attempt and then a failed application, you've probably halved the value of the property Thanks to your teaching, Paul, I've actually been able to convey that to a lot of our would-be property developers and converters um, well in advance. And, and in many cases, I've signposted them to you because I know you absolutely know what you're talking about. It's just something I think it's very important to get the message out there that you buy sites. If you're starting this, I mean, experienced um, chap like myself will take the risks involved in a planning application. But I have the wherewithal to stand the loss because I've had many, many successful developments. But if this is your first or second development, I would always advise that you buy something with planning. So let's presume that they have bought something with planning because that's the message that comes out from Property Development Live, very loud and very clear. Yes. If they have bought something with planning, then you would suggest that they go directly to an accountant and start talking to them about the VAT issue long before they've started work. Absolutely. Let's talk about a new build house that you're building from the ground. What would your advice be in terms of, of VAT on a new build? So with new build, um, for the first two years, whether it is a commercial or whether it's a residential new build, then the VAT rate is 0%. So if you're, if you're building something brand new, the contractor can reclaim all the VAT on it and it can then be sold on with a 0%. And again, this is a tax incentive to encourage new buildings to be built and passed on, and particularly with the residential world, so that would-be house owners can get access to the property without having an additional 20% on it. The new build, generally speaking, can be VAT rated at 0%. And I think that's a huge incentive to build new houses. I mean, lots of people fear building new houses. You know, they think it's some kind of pyramid they must climb. I must do buy-to-lets and then I must do refurbs and, and then I must move on 
and do conversions. And then eventually, when I'm 194, I, I always think it turns out to be, eventually I can do a new build. And I would say, as an experienced developer, if you want to do new builds, the time to do new builds is now. And the reason for that is that in lots of ways, a new build can be easier than a conversion. It certainly can be easier than a refurb because with a refurb, you never know what you're walking into. And there's a huge VAT incentive in doing a new build as well. Um, and I think that's some, some basic VAT advice. It's a huge subject, VAT. We could perhaps at some point in time do a whole podcast on VAT. I don't know how interesting the, the listeners would find that, but it is a huge subject when it comes yes. to property development. And it is great to have some expert advice, guidance to take you through that maze of VAT. Because with 25 years experience in this business, I can tell you that dealing with VAT in terms of property is a maze. Absolute minefield. You're right, Paul. Okay, so let's wrap up because we've had um, a great podcast there. Let's wrap up. So you are the accountant for two of the developers on Property Development Live. And whilst I understand that you see Property Development Live um, from a different point of view, and you're not as involved as your two d developers. Although I must say that Brian actually, as a good accountant, took the time to come up and physically see the developments, which I was very impressed with. That That's a commitment of your professionals, that they're actually interested enough to come and see what you're doing. And Brian did that for his two customers. How do you see property development live and what do you think the advantages are of property development live? I think it's a great resource because you're not trying to sell services. You're not trying to sell a business. You're not trying to sell properties. I think you can be more authentic. I think you can just say it as it is. Now, that is your nature anyway, Paul. I've never known you to say anything other than what you absolutely believe. But I think the benefit here is that because there's no upsell, there's no, there is no future benefit to any of us about this. We're here to try to give our best information to those that are interested in this area. Then they can take it as read. They get it as it is. They get the truth. They don't have to have some alternative information that's designed to benefit you or me or the other people that I've seen in the podcast. It purely is honest, authentic sharing. And your experience of working with your, your own customers, two of the developers on Property Development Live, are they getting a lot from this experience? Yes, both of them have commented how much they've learned from you, particularly, Paul, but also from the others involved in the project. And what I will say is, if there was a project I'd ever want to do, I'd always want to do it with somebody who'd done it many times before, who'd made success of it, and who was leading me through the project. And both of these guys have said that the depth of knowledge you have is huge. And they've also said how supportive you are and how straight you are to deal with. And that is everything. You know, if you want to surround yourself with people, surround yourself with people who are honest and straight with you, who know what they're doing and who have one motivation, that's to help everybody in the game succeed. I think Property Development Live does that. Well, let's not take it away from the guys. I am there as an observer. I am there as a presenter on Property Development Live and to try and give them as much advice as I possibly can from my own 25 years experience. But let's not take it away from the guys. At the end of the day, I won't have built these houses, Brian. You won't have built these houses. The developers will have built these houses. Yes, and, and, and who better than these guys? They're great guys. They're hardworking guys. 
they're honest guys. So, you know, we all wish them all the very best. I've no doubt that they will succeed in this and other projects going forward. I'd like to thank Brian for taking part and I'm sure we'll be speaking to Brian again. Thank you, Brian. No, thank you, Paul. Thanks for inviting me.